Kentucky Roll Call podcasts are brought to you by Cornbread Hemp. New year, new you. Start off 2022 by adding Cornbread Hemp to your health and wellness plan. Cornbread Hemp's organic extra strength CBD gummies deliver 50 milligrams of CBD and 2 milligrams of THC to help with your everyday aches and pains. Visit cornbreadhemp.com and use the promo code BIGX for 30% off at checkout. Stressful new year? Don't sweat it with Cornbread Hemp. Bueller, 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 Bueller. Good morning. Tip, tip of the cap to tip of the tip. Be- cat, just the cat, just cats. Cats, cats. The cats tip. Tip of the cap. Terry Wilson. He's gonna throw. Conrad. Touchdown, Kentucky. Touchdown, Kentucky. <laughs> Victory, Kentucky. Like, give your fans what they want, you dinguses. She probably smokes marijuana. Bad, bad girl. They, Rubbish! There's buggers over here. Back outside. This is the point where he always hits it. Oh! Aaron Harrison beyond belief. We did it. We beat those British We bastards. beat the British. Suck it, Cornwallis. Ten kids. You're basically pregnant for 20 years. Pregnant or breastfeed. Just wild. Like, that sounds exhausting. Potheads. What an adorable... What an adorable bunch of people. Woodson from the gun. Play fake. Step it up. He's throwing deep down the near sideline. He's got Johnson. 20. Down. Five. Touchdown. Kentucky. Jesus, Rash. Get it together. It's game day. Come on. Welcome to Kentucky Roll Call with Walker and Roush. Hello, everybody. Happy Wednesday to you, February 3rd, 2022. You're listening to Kentucky Roll Call here on Big X Sports Radio. Roll Call. 96.1 FM, 1450 AM. Justin, thankfully, we show up, you know? Nope. Thankfully, we are here. I'm not. What would you do if I was as generally late to these shows as Roush was? You just have to run the show yourself. I mean, the openings would not be near as good, I'll tell you that. It'd just be old JK47 welcoming everybody in. He's Justin Kalen. I am TJ Walker waiting for Nick Roush and giving him a hard time to start your Thursday. A wet Thursday, I think, as long as you're listening in the Louisville, Jefferson County area, maybe southern Indiana or maybe one of the surrounding counties, you can all but confirm it is wet. Now, what type of wetness it differs depending exactly where you are. When I went outside this morning, Justin, it was still a light rain, although I could definitely feel a temperature drop, felt yeah. significantly colder outside, but I, it, it wasn't, it hadn't transitioned over to an icy mix just yet, at least in Linden. What's the weather report for you in your neck of the woods? Yeah, it's pretty well the same. I mean, we've got some rain. It's definitely a lot colder. Um, but from everything I've read, it's not supposed to be here till 10 or 11 today. So I'm not expecting too much ice right now. Okay. I was looking at the radar. It seems like we're pretty close. I think it's going to probably, probably switch over sooner rather than later. When exactly, I'm not sure. But I, I don't plan on finding out firsthand out on the roads i'm most likely staying put today seems like everything is pretty much closed down so hopefully most folks can stay put but there'd be nothing scarier than leaving for the office 
And then, you know, around lunch or if it's later in the day, uh, around three or four, having to get back home and just having ice covered roads on your on your commute. That that sounds like a nightmare to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping for it to hold off until after the show. And then I'm going to go back to my apartment and I'm not going to come out until Saturday. It's going to be great. Oh. Yeah, that sounds that does sound nice. Uh, we, we've got. I was hoping more daytime basketball. You had Florida and Missouri play early yesterday. You have Bellarmine, Liberty, which Bellarmine is, I think, uh, one-and-a-half-point dogs at home or maybe just given one-and-a-half points. It's a close spread one way or another. That's at one thirty. so if there's nothing else to do, you at least have that daytime basketball today. But nasty weather, going to hit. It's going to get icy. Roads are going to get bad, so be safe. Listen to some Kentucky Roll Call. Text on into the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. If you are out on the roads today, hopefully before the ice comes and it's still rain out there, pop by Thornton's. Get yourself some donuts, some hot coffee, whatever you may need to get your day started right. Thornton's, they will be open today, but just be safe getting there. Be safe getting there. Justin, Kentucky played a basketball game last night. They, yeah, they played a basketball game last night. That's about the best way to put it. Wasn't, well, was not great. Tough to tough to put the fault, in my opinion, on Kentucky because those officials were, yeah, yikes. That they was were pretty awful. Yeah, and and I don't even think it was like, and you know, of course, I would say that I don't think it was necessarily like Kentucky benefited from. Home cooking officiating. They were just bad on both sides. If I was a Vandy fan, I'd be pretty upset. If, I, if I'm a Kentucky fan, I'm upset with the officiating. I'm not overall probably going to get worked up mad enough to care because Kentucky did win. I didn't expect I didn't expect Kentucky to cover the 15 points. I did expect it to be an ugly game. It was, but still, officials, you can do your part. Goodness gracious. I, I was texting with a buddy of mine. And this is not a unique take to me, but if you were not a Kentucky or Vanderbilt fan or you weren't a producer of a radio show where you felt maybe you had to keep an eye on the game here and there, how could, if you were just an outsider, how could you watch last night's game? Yeah, I, it'd be impossible. If you're just a casual basketball fan and you're like, you know what? I got to see a little bit of Kentucky, Kansas. I want to check out this team. I want to, I want to at least have an idea of March Madness. I'm going to watch Kentucky. You just wouldn't be able to do it. It just was not an entertaining product. Yeah, you said it right. I mean, if I was not the producer for this radio show, I would have turned that off so early, probably in the first half when Kentucky was getting every single foul called against them. They every little ticky tack thing Kentucky got called for in the first half. It was it was a really frustrating game. That was it was fun at times. Um, I had a lot of fun watching that game at, at certain points, but for overall as a whole, yeah, just just not fun basketball. A lot of flagrants, a lot yeah. of technicals, a lot of reviews. Was there and, four techs last night? Well, it, I think there was just two technicals, and I think there's two flagrants, which gotcha. are technically different. But, um, yeah, it, a lot of reviews, a lot of, a lot of waiting around, a lot of fouls combined. Let's see, 42 fouls called between the two teams. Oh. Uh, a combined 58 free throw shot between the two teams. Like that's not entertaining. No. And I, and Vandy did have a very 
physical game plan. They were going to go into Rupp Arena, and Oscar may put up good numbers, but we're just going to basically beat him up. We're going to throw big body after big body after him. Uh, they did something that I think teams, I'm surprised more teams aren't doing, where it's like, don't go play the rebound, just go play Oscar. After somebody goes shoot, who cares where the ball goes? Go find Oscar and just get a body into him. And with Oscar being such a good rebounder, you're almost using him as bait. He'll go get near the ball. You don't have to worry about where the ball is going to go because if you go find Oscar, he's going to be near it. So instantly, as soon as the ball went up, whether it was a Vanderbilt shot or a UK shot, you'd see two guys just go basically crash their bodies into Oscar. And they were super physical with them. And they had that mentality and they had that game plan set up for the entire game. And they were physical with UK's guards. They were physical on the perimeter. They had the mindset of they can't call a foul on us every time. It was just a physical approach from Vanderbilt. And instead of the refs just letting it kind of be a physical game, you got to whistle each and every second. Um, and Oscar was hacked a ton, but he was being physical on the on the other end as well. And that's why he he finished with four fouls. But there's a lot to... On the one hand, it almost seems like there is plenty to take away from this game. On the other side, Justin, it's almost just like, thank goodness that's over. Uh, yeah. In a, a week or two weeks, we will can totally and completely forget about this game. It's not one that's going to stand out when we look back on the 2021-2022 season. It will be ancient history at some point, and that's a good thing. But I do think there are takeaways. Well, and I say it all the time, but it wasn't pretty, but you got the win, and that's the main thing. But Cal Perry actually touched on the physicalness after the game in his interview, and he was talking about how if any team wants to have a chance against Kentucky, if you watch any tape at all, come in and be physical is one of the only ways that you'll beat this team. And a learning experience from Kentucky is, all right, you all are significantly more talented than Vanderbilt, but they just – they they were – their game plan was how can we push around Oscar? How can we potentially get in his head? How can we maybe wear him out, make him a little bit more tired? This was what I think you're going to see teams with not as much talent, how they're going to approach the game. I think the Auburns of the world and maybe even the Tennessee, well, Tennessee, though, with how badly they got beaten on the boards. And that was another thing. Vandy got Oscar had such a good game in Nashville. They probably thought we can't let this guy beat us single handedly again. You're going to see just – you're going to – with the exception of maybe Auburn because they can play Oscar. Teams that can't play Oscar one-on-one where the teams that don't have a big that they feel confident can just kind of hold their own against Oscar. I think you saw a little bit of a blueprint of how, how teams are going to play them, and that's exactly what Vanderbilt did. It was not entertaining. It was not easy on the eyes. It was not all that fun to watch, but it's important that Kentucky found a way to win. It was at home, but they need to get used to that. You're going to see more of that. Now, hopefully, those teams that do that, that take that approach, a lot of those teams aren't going to have a Scottie Pippen Jr., Justin, who just completely dominates Kentucky. He, Kentucky's got no answer for him. I hope we don't see this team in the SEC tournament, not because I don't think Kentucky would win again, but it'd probably be a similar game where he would score a bunch of points. He finished with 33 yesterday. Uh, how many did he have down in Nashville? 29 or 30, something like that. So he, he's had two of his better games come against Kentucky. Seems to always just hit these shots that look like they have no chance of going in, but they fall. And single-handedly keeps Vanderbilt in the game. Um, 
wouldn't enjoy seeing him again. Glad that they're off the schedule, but you ultimately still found a way to to come away with a win. But that that that's a style of play Kentucky needs to get used to playing against. But on the flip side, happy you're not going to have to see uh, a caliber scorer like Scottie Pippen Jr. Did he keep them in the game though? I mean, he had those two doofus times where he stepped on the end line. I mean, that's two turnovers right there. But in terms of Oscar. If if teams are going to do that to him on on the boards, they probably should do a little better job. Because what do you have? 18, 17 rebounds last night? Yeah, but he's the best rebounder in college basketball. Right. So why, why waste resources double-teaming him on rebound opportunities when it's just going to happen anyways? Well, because there's a difference between 17 and 27. There's a difference between 17 yeah. and 30. Like, you, you, you're, you're, and he didn't have a great offensive game and he missed a bunch of free throws. And were some of those missed free throws from tired legs and him being a little worn out? But if, if, re, if you only hold him to rebounds at some point, some teams may just consider that a win. All right. We got Nick Roush. Roush, what's up, buddy? I don't know. I'm just, I feel like the dumbest <laughs> idiot in the history of dumb idiots. Just internet doesn't work in my office anymore. So, um, in my bedroom. Seems now, like for somebody so. that works at home, you'd want the internet working. Yeah. I don't know. It just doesn't work in my office. I went to another room. It works. I, I, don't, I don't know. I have no answers. Um, I'm not frustrated at all. Definitely not mad. Definitely not mad. You think maybe if you start doing this stuff a little earlier, you can figure it out before the show starts? Well, I didn't think I would need 25 minutes to get on the mother. Mm. Yeah, didn't they take me? I think we can rile. It's a pretty. I think we can rile them up today, Justin. Press on. The worst part is that I couldn't even get a hotspot to work. I have no idea. Maybe God was just like, you know what, Nick? You don't deserve to be on the internet in your office today. Take 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 a personal day. I don't need a personal day. I want to talk about Kentucky Vanderbilt. Well, Scotty Pippen Jr. has scored over 30 points twice this season, and both were against Kentucky. And it felt like he got a lot of garbage points, too, which was even more annoying because uh, when Stackhouse was calling timeouts at the end, it was like, let's see how many points we can get Pippen Jr. He only had – so he, he he went off. He got hot there at the end of the second half at 17. I think he only had two points for the next 10, 12 minutes. He got all of his points to, to get to 30 late in that second half. So I, I, I don't know if um, they just got a little lackadaisical at the end. The, the amount of fouls that were called, there was no rhythm at all in the game. So may, maybe that's kind of helped him get more opportunities because uh, the defenders weren't actively trying to get the clamps on him. They were just like, oh, we've got to go to watch another replay? Oh, wow. Um, it was a very uh, stop and start. Just that that game had no flow to it at all. It was about as clunky as they come um, because it turned into a rough show. They did that thing, TJ, where I know this is what happened. They got into a huddle after maybe stacking a technical and said, "All right, guys, it's time for us to take control of the game," and they just called like seventy fouls. We see refs do that all the time when they feel like, oh, things are maybe getting a little out of control. It was a physical game, and you had some guys battling where they just feel the need to call every little thing. It doesn't make for an entertaining game. What time did the game end last night? Like 9.20, you know, 20 minutes yeah. past when it was supposed to because they called so many fouls and there's so many breaks and there were so many delays. Yeah, I spent the beginning of the show kind of talking a little bit about the officials, but I do think there were some takeaways from the game. It was awesome to see Davion Mintz 
bounce back after he had been really slumping for multiple games. He comes back, leads UK in points. UK desperately needed uh, some of his spurts that he went on there, especially in the second half. He finishes with 21, despite it being a tough and physical game, as Justin mentioned. 17 rebounds is not too shabby. Uh, No, it wasn't as many as he got the first go-around against Vanderbilt, if I'm not mistaken, but it was still a, a good... He was able to do some other things. And then UK's point guards. With Wheeler and Washington, they had one of their worst scoring nights combined between the two, but I I still kind of, you know, just wasn't maybe Washington's game, but I still like that Wheeler, not able really to score or do anything, he didn't hit a field goal, 0 of 8, still finishes with nine assists, Roush, and only, I think, two turnovers, if I'm not mistaken. So he he was still able to find ways to impact the game. His shot wasn't falling. All right, then I'm going to go get other folks involved. And he did that. And then Keon Brooks, who for the first, it seemed like, 25 to 30 minutes, he was the law of averages hit him and hit him really, really hard. He could not hit anything. And they were open shots, and they were open shots, and everything that was falling against Kansas was bricking or missing against Vanderbilt last night until like the final 15 minutes. And then he, you saw a little glimpse of Fog Allen, Keon Brooks there. He finishes with a quiet 20 points. First time in his UK career, he's had the back-to-back 20-plus point games, and Kentucky needed him. So it was an interesting game, and kind of your usual suspects weren't there for the scoring. Kellen Grady's still Kellen Grady, although he did miss two wide-open threes, which were like, oh, my gosh, how does Kellen Grady miss two wide-open threes? I like that we're at that point. Um, but, you know, he couldn't get a ton of shots off. So it was a different game. It was an interesting game. And and Davion Mintz and Keon Brooks, they did what they needed to do from the scoring department, and some of the other guys just impacted the game in other ways. So uh, a lot to analyze, in my opinion, for a game that we're going to just gloss over and forget about. But I think there's some important lessons from last night. Yeah, and the one for me, uh, and, and I thought this was uh, – it, it was just what you needed from him. The senior stepping up every time he got close, that was Davion Mintz. Uh, it, Vandy cut it to one with about 12 minutes to go, 14, something like that. It was kind of early in the second half. They made a, a, a big run out of the halftime locker and kind of carried that momentum from Pippen's big three at the buzzer um, into the second half. And Mintz comes down, he hits a big three, gets it to four, and Kentucky kind of can extend, extend the lead from there, got, got on a little run. And then, I don't know, four or five minutes later, it's back down to three. And once again, Mintz delivers. I'm not sure if it was a three this time, but he had like five points in a row to kind of give Kentucky some more breathing room. That's the kind of shots that Kentucky needs from Mintz. And now uh, he had 21 last night, a team high. He's the sixth player this year to score at least 20 points in a game. I mean, that's that's balanced scoring. And Chin Coleman said it the other day. He was like, you know, you can't just throw one or two guys at the top of the scouting report. Like you, you have to, you have to be prepared for us all because anybody can go off on any given moment. And I think the last two nights have have certainly proved that for this Kentucky basketball team. Yeah, you you had a couple different instances of Vandy making these runs, but you have a ten point halftime lead, which conflicted there on the first half. At times, it felt like all right, ten points, that's great. Double digit lead didn't play particularly great. 
that it is what it is. But when you saw Kentucky also up by like 14 and 16, you thought to yourself again, is 10 points enough? Shouldn't, should they be potentially, if you're up 14 or 16, why aren't you at 14 or 16 at the half? Or why didn't you even push that a little bit further? So it was one of those conflicted first half margins. And then by the end of the first TV timeout, you're just giving it basically all away. You were only up by one at the under 16 in the second half. So you completely negated everything, the lead that you had built there for the first 24 minutes of the game. But once Vandy cut it to one Roush, exactly what you're saying, Brooks, uh, Mintz came down and hit a three. Next possession, Brooks comes down and hits a jumper. And and then he hits a, a layup as well. That was when some of those technicals and fouls were going on. So you get six points from Mintz and Brooks combined. And just like that, Kentucky was was back up by seven. As a matter of fact, actually, Mintz came down later and hit two free throws. So you can talk about the next eight points after Vandy cut it to one was from Brooks and 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 Mintz, excuse me, uh, to make that game uh, swell back up to nine by the under-12 timeout. So it was a mm-hmm. Mintz and Brooks run there. Uh, and then Vandy, you know, they would they would kind of push it back, make it interesting again. And then when they did, it was uh, it was Brooks and Mintz again. It, it, really, in that second half, anytime Vandy made a push, it was two guys that I don't know were folks expecting Brooks to have a big game after the Kansas game. I thought it was going to be what we saw in the first half and just kind of coming back down to earth a little bit. But again, second half he stepped it up in a big way. I would not have expected Mintz to be the one to break out of his shell. He had a cute little story after the game, Roush. Did you see that? Uh, no, I did not see that. Set, well, it was on your very your very own website that had it along with other folks as well. But uh, he said that after the Kansas game, which he didn't play all that great in, and, and like we had mentioned, Mintz has been slumping a little bit. Um, but it's a good team, as as we have said, that you have other guys that are able to step up. But he's been slumping a little bit. And after the Kansas game, there's a, a fan, I don't know if it was in the hallway or exactly where it was, that was waiting for him. And noticed that she was crying and he was like what's wrong blah 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 and she said i've been waiting to meet you you're my favorite player i wanted to meet you like since last year and i just haven't been able to and i'm i just can't believe that i'm finally able to meet you and he it kind of hit home for him that it doesn't matter that he had a bad game against kansas it didn't matter that he hadn't scored over 10 points in uh really since the beginning of january in a game and that he was slumping a little bit. It just kind of hit home for him again that what this is all about, that people out there don't really care how he plays. They're fans of him. They're fans of this team. And kind of relaxed him a little bit, said it opened up the way for him to have a big game against Vanderbilt. Thank goodness he did, because, again, I'm not sure exactly how last night unfolds if you don't have Mintz break out of that slump a little bit. Four three-pointers. He is perfect from the line as well, and that's been a thing for him. He hasn't been able to get to the line. He shot the most free throws, uh, the second most free throws he's shot in SEC play. Oh, actually the third most, excuse me. Uh, so able to get to the line as well. So that that was a nice little story for him, motivated by a young fan that helped break him out of his slump. And we'll take it. We'll take anything you can get. If you're not yeah. going to get a lot of scoring from Wheeler or from Washington – then you got to have men step up, and he did it last night. But that fan is the real MVP, and I I, I can kind of get it from Mintz's perspective, though. I mean, when shots aren't falling, you can kind of tighten up, you can get in your own head. So uh, happy that there was somebody there to help him kind of kick the rust off um, for a night where, you know, we all kind of 
we we predicted all predicted Vandy cover yesterday. The way things were setting up, you've got an impending storm. You just played a big emotional game at Kansas. You kind of knew this team was going to come out a little sleepy at times. Luckily, Grady was hot early on to kind of give Kentucky a little bit of offense. And man, Jacob Toppin didn't do a lot, but that chase down block he had. That really injected some energy in Rupp Arena. I think Kentucky went on like a 23-4 to run after that. I mean, that was what they needed. Uh, you need some – in games like that where the arena is a little bit sleepy and it's an underwhelming opponent, like you, you need to have those big energy moments. Uh, in the first half, Toppin gave it to him and, and, and kind of the Cats ran with it from there. And then later on down the stretch in the second half, it, it was Mintz hitting big threes. Uh, because Man, like you said, TJ, there were a couple of those Grady shots where you're like, oh, that's in, and you're just shocked that it's not going in. His shot, I mean, I know we say this all the time, but it really is. Every time it goes up, you just expect it to go in. I just expect it to go in, and, I, and I'm shocked when it doesn't. Yeah, I'm the I'm the same way. That possession where he had two of them, and both of them looked good, and both of them missed, I was just I, – I couldn't believe it. I, I thought somebody was playing a trick on me. Uh, still was able to improve – the old three-point percentage on the year yesterday. Uh, heading into the game, what was he, like a 44%, 45% or whatever it was? Uh, what He goes four of eight. So still able to improve on that season-long percentage. Uh, what I think he's like 48% in SEC or something like that on the year, 47% in SEC on the year. It, it is just an insane number. I mean, it, it, he is, even on the season, to be at 44%, you, that, that is like, I, I don't know what Deron Lamb finished at, but he, in large parts, is kind of the benchmark of three-point shooting percentage. And let's look, well, let's, we'll, we'll go to the break. We'll look it up during the break. We're, we're overdue anyways for it. But historically, Kellen Grady is in a special spot right now uh, when it comes to UK three-point field goal percentage. We'll get some of the numbers for you when we return. This is Kentucky Roll Call, Thursday edition. The Cats beat Vanderbilt. We get to look ahead to that Alabama game. Another huge one on the road, another huge Saturday road game for Kentucky. we got a lot to get to on today's show, including the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. This is KRC. I'm Big X. We'll be right back. To Kentucky Roll Call with Walker and Roush. Welcome back, Kentucky Roll Call here on Big X Sports Radio, 96.1 FM, 1450 AM. Salsa will be closed today. Uh, Boo! Hey, they got to keep themselves safe. They've got to keep their employees safe, but they'll be closed today. They will be open on Friday, so you'll have to think about their delicious, hugely stuffed burritos, cheesy, meaty quesadillas, mm. the hot salsa, the warm, gooey queso, and the guacamole, and wildly addictive chips. They're taking the day off, but they will be back on Friday, and you can go to the St. Matthews location or Middletown. They have a drive through on Friday. 
and you just are gonna have to wait an extra day but that's all right that it, it will it'll get you even hungrier for that I went yesterday uh, that, exactly you got it in when you could but you'll they'll be back on friday fear not uh, a lot of places closed today a lot of schools are closed today roush i don't think it's right that they would use nti for non-covid related reasons like just have a snow day today yeah but it's not even going to be snow though it's not, you're but then not gonna you gotta make to it up it. it's ice I don't know if you have to make it up. They have built-in snow days. But people, I just imagine there's some families, people that are uh, freaking out. I just feel like when you do an NTI, you're you're asking you're putting more of a burden on the parents and that's that I'm out on that. Yeah, but I don't think they actually do anything with NTI, Mike. Then what so even all the more reason not to do it. Yeah, but like but then they don't have to make up the day later. I think that's the big the big sell is not having to make it up later. But I would say that of all the times, I'm with you in general, TJ. If there's going to be a snow day, just go enjoy the snow. This is going to suck. Like nobody needs to be out in in ice and sleet and wintry mix. I, I think this is the one exception to that. I, I would do whatever to to make sure I'm not going to school more in May and June. I feel like you're agreeing with me. You're just saying you, you're admitting that they're not going to do any NTI stuff. And two, what if somebody loses power? Then you can't do any NTI. Boom. Oh yeah, I, yeah. This could this could be a mess. This, uh, if but, I was a parent, I'd be saying we lost power anyways. Yeah, I'm sure a ton of people just do that, <laughs> where they're like, eh, "We tried to get in on the class, but we couldn't," which makes it tougher for teachers. Where I just think it'd be nice if they were just like, "All right, everybody, enjoy your weekend." But yeah, whatever, whatever. I'm, I just don't think much learning is going to get done one way or another. So may as well not make teachers feel like they have to log their seven-year-olds into laptops. <laughs> That'd be such a nightmare. Like for yeah. high schoolers, whatever, like, hey, be responsible enough, go to your classes. But like if you've got a toddler or something and they've got to like sign in to see their Miss Smith sing the alphabet, that'd just be, that'd be a lot. Mm-hmm. That That is a... A good point. I, I don't know how, like the elementary age and all that, because how, how much can you actually do? Exactly. Yeah, and you know, God bless the teachers for trying, but it's tough. It's tough on everybody. I just thought today'd be a good day. Weather's going to be nasty. Just stay inside. Don't worry about school just for today, and everybody just go on about their business. But it does all the models, Roush, and who knows? We'll. Uh, knock on wood all, all we have all the plans in the world to be doing the show tomorrow maybe tomorrow we hopefully we're saying like huh wasn't nearly as bad as they thought every mm -hmm. model is predicting that it's just going to get absolutely disgustingly nasty ice everywhere up to like two inches of ice and it, it looks just it looks horrible yeah yeah um and if you saw any of what already hit missouri they had to shut down I seventy. That was a, that was a disaster yesterday. So it's not not going to be good. Not going to be good. No, it's not. So stay safe, everybody. Just listen to Kentucky roll call, and that uh, that'll that'll make your day better. All right, I, I was wrong on several different accounts per oh. usual with this stuff. Um, Grady is not in the SEC. He's actually maybe been a little bit worse than his season average. Uh, not getting that Kansas game in there. And then also he had a big game against High Point. That kind of skews the numbers a little bit. Secondly, Deron Lamb, he was his sophomore year, a, let's round up, 49% three-point shooter. 
And then that was his freshman year. He was a 49% three point shooter. And then his sophomore year, 47%. So um, that being said, Kellen Grady is only three threes away from surpassing Duran Lamb's freshman season total. So that team with Brandon Knight that went to the final four. And mm-hmm. then he is 11 threes away from surpassing Brand- or Duran Lamb's sophomore season total. And a matter of fact, he's already. 24th all-time in made three-pointers in a season at 65 for Grady, which is super impressive. He could have up to 18 more games and the single-season leader for made three-pointers in a year. Roush, do you know who it is? Mm. We've done this before on the radio show. No, not Travis Ford. He's fourth all-time for his 92-93 season. He had 101. That's fourth all-time. Two Calipari players ranked above him, and then one non-Calipari player is number one. Man. Oh, Jody Meeks. Jody Meeks is number one, 107. Yep. We've, yeah, I think we've done this before during yeah. our, our reign in Kentucky roll call. Uh, 117 for Jody Meeks in that last season, which – Oh, man, Jody, should have came back for one more, had one year with Calipari. I don't think you're breaking mm-hmm. the 117 three-point streak total, but uh, I don't doubt that you could hit triple digits because you would have played 40 games and would have just been wide open consistently. Jamal Murray, second, 113. Malik Monk, third, 104. So you have 18, hopefully 18 games left for Kellen Grady. Uh, let's see. Let me do. Let me do some math here. Uh, That's dangerous. Oh, what's yeah. that? I, That's I dangerous. would be opting out if it was me. Count me out on doing quick math. All right, he needs fifty-two threes to tie Jody Meeks' record, and let's assume he's got eighteen games. A three per three threes per game. If he were to play eighteen more games, would get him there. Of course, that would mean Kentucky would have to run to the national title. But 2.83s per game would get him there. So let's say Kentucky doesn't play 18 more games. They don't get to the championship. Let's just say that it was an Elite Eight run. Um, You know, he'd need probably three and a half threes per game. So it's not out of striking distance, I think, is the overall point. I don't want to get everybody too annoyed with numbers. It's not out of striking distance for Kellen Grady to finish this year with more made three-pointers than anybody else in the history of Kentucky basketball. thats I would have never in a million years predicted that that would be a possibility. I would have never in a million years thought we'd get to February and we'd be saying that about Kellen Grady, but we are. That's the thats the realistic uh, spot that we find ourselves in. And then from a three-point shooting percentage, Cameron Mills is number one. Uh, Travis Ford really probably should be number one because he's just a little bit behind Mills and took over 120 or 112 more threes in that 93 season than Mills did in 97. Uh, Jeff Shepard in 96, he shot it at 50%. And then you, you get Deron Lamb at fifth. So Kellen would really, really have to get hot to be in the conversation for percentages. But as it stands right now, he's in the top 15. So he is having... While Oscar is breaking rebounder number rebounding numbers, Roush, that we couldn't believe, while Ty Ty has set the single season assist record, Wheeler's on pace for some some insane season-long assist numbers. Don't sleep on Kellen Grady and his three-pointers. This team 
who did this team is breaking records left and right, or at least going to have their oh. mark in history books when it's all said and done. And Kellen Grady needs to be added to the fold here. You also haven't mentioned uh, Savir Wheeler and the assist record going into last night. He needed to average eight a game, and that's assuming Kentucky would go to you know play nineteen more games. Um, he needed to average eight a game. He got nine last night uh, to, in the pursuit of Tyler Ulysses' record. That's going to be a tough one, though. It's it's kind of uh, how I did early on. I was like, I don't think Wandell can break these records, and I was surprised to see it. I, I think that's the case for a lot of these guys. One of the two or three. One of these is going down. It's going to happen. Well, if Kentucky can play enough games, I think you're going to get in the conversation for it. But that's a that's a great point. Along with this whole thing, you know, I'd mentioned that Ty Ty has the singles game assist record. But you're right to don't don't sleep on Wheeler and everything that he's doing. He's averaging over seven assists per game, Roush, and he plays on a team where sometimes he's not even the ball dominant guard. It was very funny last night how angry John Sunvald was getting that Vanderbilt was letting him go left. <laughs> yeah, he was getting pretty worked up about that. So why are you letting him go left? Like, yes, he can dribble his right, but like, just don't let him like that. And I'm kind of with you. Like, if that was only, if if I was making the scouting report, to be like, just just make him go right. Like, whatever you do, just make him drive right. And a lot of Brooks's points last night were because. People had to help off him because Wheeler was driving left and just had all the time of the day. <laughs> yeah, he's freaking out. Uh, with his nine assists last night, he jumped up to number 30, hold on, 30, 32 in the single season assist rankings. Um, do you want to know who he passed last night? Um, Isaiah Briscoe. Uh, no, no. Close though, he'll he'll say, he'll need a uh, be some random guy. Uh, he'll need eleven more to to get by Briscoe. Um, he passed a lot of people. You know, each game he's going to pass a lot of people, assuming he has multiple assists in each game. He passed Ulysses' freshman year assist, uh, one hundred and thirty-five, yeah. which you know Ulysses in limited minutes. He surpassed Saul Smith in two thousand and one. Ooh, Saul Smith. Yeah, Cliff Hawkins in two thousand two. He surpassed that total. 137. He surpassed Andrew Harrison's sophomore season. So he wow. has more assists than the point guard did on the undefeated team. And, uh, and those are just uh, along with some other names, but those are some of the notable ones, but finds himself at 31st right now with 141 assists on the year. Tyler Eulis had 241 or 246, excuse me, a lot of numbers today on today's KRC. But he so he'll need 105 more assists to get to Tyler Ulysses' record. Let's just say for fun and giggles, they're going to go to the national championship game. That would be just under six assists per game. Certainly doable uh, if he keeps it up on this pace. But that's another just insane part of this season, Roush. The record breakers. That's what many people are calling them. And we're just reinforcing that that mantra today. Do you all know how many games Euless played to get that 246? Yes, I do. He played like 35. Yeah. 35. Yeah, because 
Is, were you just using this to bring up the fact that his last game was a loss to Indiana, Justin? No, I'm act. I was actually just wanting to do the math. So that's that was just over seven assists a game. So yeah, Severe should definitely get there if they play as many games. Well, he'll play more games. He'll, he'll more most likely play more games. Well, hopefully, he'll, he'll play more too. games than Ulysses. Um, well, we 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 broke down the numbers for you, man. Uh, just you go through the the bigblueHistory.net. If you've never gone to that website, what have you been waiting on your whole life? But if you ever just go through so many Calipari players at the top of these single season records, which he's had a lot of good teams, he's had a lot of good players. Those things aren't coincidences. But you're you're going to have a lot of this year's group in those in, in the record books forever too. If not at the top, they will certainly be in the conversation. Kellen Grady for threes. Wheeler for assists for a season, Washington assist already for a game, and then Oscar gets probably the most fanfare for the rebounds, and rightfully so. He, he is, should be your national player of the year if things were to end today. But it's a good team, Roush. Allow that to just be another reminder that this is a good group, even though yesterday wasn't the most – on the easiest basketball to watch on the eyes. Uh, they still found a way to win, and now you can turn your attention to what should be a pretty difficult Alabama game. Yeah, and Cal even said, uh, man, hope we can get out of here Friday. So um, that is a late-night game, so you got more time to, to get down to Tuscaloosa. Uh, but I'm surprised I, uh, I wouldn't go today. I'm surprised they just wouldn't be on a bus right now and be yeah, like, let's just same. get as far south as possible, and if the weather knocks us out somewhere, at least we're going to be a little bit closer and finding out a way to get there. Because you're all right, it is a late game Saturday. you got to imagine by – by, at some point on Saturday, you'd be able to travel throughout Tennessee and other states, Tennessee or Alabama. Yeah, and I, I think just the uncertainty is well, and the timing of it's kind of weird too. I mean, they probably would have hopped on a flight first thing this. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't just try to fly out of there today. So, um, like right now, I know that's asking a lot, but um, they weren't trying to get them out of there in a hurry. In fact, did you see? Um, that one of the guys was out there playing basketball after the game last night. Our friend Shadon. I think two of the guys. Yeah, oh. two of the guys were out there. I think Hopkins was with them as well. Yeah, Shaden Sharp and Bryce Hopkins after the game. They went and played their own game at the Johnson Center. So I'm sure there were some guys hooping late at night who were very surprised to see those two on the court. <laughs> uh, I'm sure there's going to be some overreactions to this. Like, oh, this is... I don't know. I, I don't know. Somebody's going to find a way to make some hot take about They're this. They're so desperate to play. They've got to go play at the rec center. Calipari right. refusing to play them. They have to get their fix with the regular students or something. You know, it's going to be something ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this stuff happens frequently that you have players go over to the Johnson Center and play. After a game is uh, admittedly a little unusual – but I think just the fact that it was sharp is the reason why this is getting attention as folks are like, whoa, we haven't seen him do anything. And here he is playing with some students. Not that big of a deal. I, with the way the second half was going, Roush, I was not surprised to see sharp. I, just put me in the category as I've been. I may have gotten a little worked up with Justin yesterday, but put me in the category that I don't care. If we see him at some point, cool. If we don't, I also do not care. And good for him for going and, and going to the Johnson Center and hooping a little bit. Yeah, and it definitely felt like a kiss of death that we weren't going to see him whenever Ryan Lemon said there's a 99% chance we see him tonight. It's like, oh, well, then he's definitely not playing. Ryan, I, said, I Ryan said that. 
He said that on the pregame show. I I didn't uh, didn't see that. It made for entertaining radio. I was tuning in while wrapping up some signing day stuff yesterday. We got to talk about that. Uh, But it was was just like, oh, well, if if Ryan is that confident, then there's no way it's going to (laughs) happen. Was it inside info or just like a gut? It was um, a little bit of both. And I think it was more so that he knew people who were sitting near the bench who supposedly had heard them talking about putting Sharp in in the last home game, and then the the game got tight. It was like, well, if it's dependent on the game getting tight, then like that's going to happen against Vanderbilt. Like It just is. And I also think it's silly just like, we can only put them in the game when it's a blowout. But we've had this conversation before. I'm not going to relitigate it again. I'm just come to accept the fact that he's not going to play at Kentucky. Just period. I, next year, anytime, forever. I'm just going to be happy if I ever see him in a UK uniform. Yeah, if that's the, I think that's not a bad mindset to have. And then if we're all pleasantly surprised and happy, and you see him at some point, then great. And if not, then we didn't really lose. You know what? maybe some some excitement recruiting talk from November ended up being a waste of breath. Wouldn't be the mm-hmm. first time or the last time that we've wasted conversations on things that ended up not happening. Probably won't be the last time in this show that we discuss hypotheticals and all that. So if that ends up being the case, Roush, and he never plays for UK, then it was just a, a wasted time on hypotheticals. But congrats on him on getting his money and all that stuff. But if, if we do see him, sweet. If we don't, I don't care. Yeah, and – for me, it's like, hey, uh, it would almost be better if, like, if he's going to go to the draft. It'll, I, I think, in my mind, it's like, um, I had a teacher who encouraged us to never smoke cigarettes because he was a bad smoker, and he's like, you know, I never miss heroin because I never tried it. You can't miss something you never had. Well, I can't miss Shane Sharp if we never had him playing in a basketball game at Kentucky. That's true. Very, very weird logic, but hey, it works. <laughs> I mean, there, there's truth to that. And the thing, and, and I guess what maybe we could do or couldn't do is if Kentucky ends up losing in March, will we say, well, they they needed more athleticism or they need, and that's the thing is we don't really know what he would even bring to the table. So mm-hmm. you we'd have to identify what we think Kentucky's issues are as a team this year, where their biggest weaknesses are. And then we'd have to basically hypothesize if Sharp fixes those those issues, if he patches those holes on this team, which what we know about Sharp or what we think we know about Sharp, we don't know anything about Sharp. We, we know that his friends call him Shadon, and that's really the extent of mm-hmm. our info on this kid. But what we think we know about him is he could slash – He could get to the rim, he could get to the foul line, and that he'd be a solid shooter, but uh, you would think that Mintz, Grady, probably better shooters, and Washington a better shooter as well. So are those Kentucky's weaknesses? Um, If Kentucky doesn't have Wheeler or Washington, then yeah, you could use another slasher. You could use somebody else that could get inside. But assuming Kentucky is at full health, you, you don't necessarily need that. You got two guys right there that can get inside. Getting to the line, well, Kentucky, some games shoots a lot of free throws, some games they don't. So I guess maybe that's something you can keep an eye on. Uh, I I don't know. I think when you kind of go through the weaknesses of this team, Roush, nothing that Sharp does 
immediately jumps out on the page as saying, aha, he'd fix this problem for us. I think you can still make a case on front court depth a little bit, but the more that Brooks has kind of shown up and been able to knock down shots, front court scoring isn't a factor. Uh, defensively, could he guard a Pippen and slow him down? I doubt it. I don't know defense, you know, maybe, I don't know. That's something that we're just guessing on because we haven't seen him play. So it it's not as obvious as as when you got sharp on campus or we were talking about reclassifications back in November. It's not as obvious as, oh, you we need him for a slasher. You need him to do this, you do that. I'm not exactly sure what he would bring differently to the table. We have no idea. We don't see him. We probably won't see him. So long story short, I think Kentucky's just fine without him. I think this team yeah. can do all the things that that UK fans set the loftiest expectations, and that's a national championship without a sharp. I think the one thing you could say that he might do better than anybody is just get to the rim and score. Um, and you're saying it right now because Tata's floaters aren't falling at, since he came back from his ankle injury. Um, once he gets back, though. I, I, you get that kind of scoring. It's not, it probably wouldn't be in the same fashion. Like I, and, and as you said, we don't actually know. I see for C sharp is one of those guys who really can just bully his way all, all the way to the rim and finish there. Um, whereas Ty is a little bit more crafty, a little bit more methodical and hell severe gets to the, the rim, but he finishes with like a scoop shot or kicks it out to somebody. So you might get a little, something that looks a little different, but it's all also something that, Kentucky has in its offense it just it just looks doesn't look the same with if Sharp was on the court doing it yeah and that could that that could certainly be the, the case we just we won't know because we probably aren't going to see Sharp uh, yeah. but uh, knowing Calipari the second that everybody's on the same page they're like all right no Sharp no Sharp is probably when he's going to put them in and when he'll yeah, go out exactly. there and, and do something crazy and completely change the whole landscape of how we view this team. But in the intermediate, not worried about Sharp, not worried about him playing. I like the team Kentucky has. I think this team that they have right now is good enough to win a national championship. If Sharp at some point is added to it, great. We'll go from there. But everybody on KRC is on the same page of out of sight, out of mind, although I'm sure we'll probably talk about him tomorrow. <laughs> uh, Justin just saw this stat on the old tweeter. Uh, IU, after a 2-10 season, has lost four coaches and 24 players to the portal. And football? Wow. Yeah, not in basketball. Yeah. They play more um, than 12 games. That, okay. But, I mean, it's there are so many players in football. That doesn't mean anything to me. Good. That's, like, that's, like, be, that's a good spin zone. You say we got better transfers coming in, like Connor Basil. Yeah, that's right. Hey, so if we're throwing out stats, you all want to hear a stat? Listen to yeah. this one. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Are you familiar with Des Desmond Bain? I mm. Name sounds very familiar. All right, so he plays in the NBA for the Memphis Grizzlies. Okay, there we go. Yeah. Yesterday was 2-2-22. Desmond Bain wears number 22, shot 22.2% from the field with two assists, two blocks, two steals, two fouls, and two turnovers. <laughs> Pretty cool, right? You can't tell oh, me on man. one of those twos he didn't try to get it just for the two sake. Like that, either a foul <laughs> or a turnover, he had to be like, "Oh, I'm on one, throw it out of bounds." Let or yeah. let me just go hack somebody so I can get two. One of oh, those man. had to be fixed. This would Pretty have been crazy, a great though. like 2002 Sports Center segment. You know, <laughs> that, that that that's perfect for old school Sports Center. New school, like uh, you know, 
A little fun fact, February 22nd, 2022 is on a Tuesday. I do that, wow. yeah. Two we'll times Tuesday? Some, we'll have to do something real special. Oh, a nice big Salsaritas Fiesta on the 2222222 Tuesday. That'd be a lot of fun. Would be a lot of fun. And we won't be around for the year 2222. That'd be a real party then. Speak for you yourself. won't be around. Yeah. Yeah, we could win. We're gonna yeah. win the lottery and get rich people medicine that'll keep us alive forever. Oh, that'd be awesome! Yeah, you're all right. Yeah. We are gonna win the lottery, and Mike Rutherford's gonna be on the outside looking in when that happens. <laughs> all right, hour one done. Hour two, we'll get to the Thornton's text line. We need to talk football, National Signing Day, maybe more fallout from this UK Alabama coaching Wolford scandal. Not really a scandal, but we'll talk more about everything else going on in the world of UK football. Keep the text rolling in, 502-414-1450. And we have a cat update for Trevor Kelsey. We have a cat update. We'll come back. We'll talk about all these things. This is KRC on Big X Sports Radio. Okay. This speech is my recital. I think it's very vital to rock around. That's right. On top. It's tricky. It's tight. Here we go. It's tricky to rock around, to rock around. That's right. On top. It's tricky. It's tricky. 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 Welcome back for hour two of Kentucky Roll Call. Nothing is over until we decide it is. With Walker and Roush. We're just getting started, bro. Welcome back. Hour number two, Kentucky Roll Call here on Big X Sports Radio. Thursday edition. Cats beat the Commodores. Sweep the Commodores edition of KRC. We talked a lot about that in hour number one, and I'm sure the Thornton's text line in hour number two is going to discuss last night's game as well. TJ Walker, Nick Roush, and Justin Kalen here for hour number two. If you did miss hour number one, go back and listen. Replay of the show comes on these very airwaves right when we get off the air from 9 to 11. You can stream using the TuneIn app. You can tell Alexa to play Big X Sports Radio. You can say, hey, Siri, play Big X Sports Radio. It'll do that as well. 96.1 on the FM dial, 1450 on the AM dial. But if you can't stream, if you can't listen live, you can't listen to the replay, Nick Rash, that's where the podcast comes into play. Yeah, uh, you can get it on Spotify, iHeart, wherever you get your podcast. Brought to you by Cornbread Hemp. Visit cornbreadhemp.com, put in the promo code Big X, you'll get 30% off their all-natural CBD products. Um, whatever ails you, cornbread hemp, it could probably help you. Fantastic CBD products with a little bit of extra kick with THC. Check them out today at cornbreadhemp.com. Uh, TJ, before we get to some some stuff on the Thornton's text line, uh, Noah Matthews committed to Kentucky yesterday. Big get. And when I say big get, I mean an under-recruited get. Um, I know that we're, this will be a talking point quite a bit, but he was once an FCS commit, um, kind of like Josh Allen. Josh Allen was committed to Monmouth, ends up at Kentucky after uh, the Cats kind of miss out on some guys late in the process. And Josh Allen ends up making history. Noah Matthews, is the story is very similar, but the difference is that Kentucky doesn't like now with the transfer portal, you don't see people taking as many late flyers. 
like back in the day, the week before signing day, you'd have a lot of guys flip, decommit, and you'd be kind of scrambling and kind of go down your big board and like, all right, who else can we bring on? Let's try to develop them. It worked out well with Allen. It worked out well with, you know, TJ Carter, uh, Bunchy Stallings, uh, Calvin Taylor, the, those guys that you kind of went down your board and you're like, all right, we'll, we'll see if we can develop them. And they end up turning out to be great players. Now you have the transfer portal. You don't need to do that. And that's why I think that this guy could secretly be awesome because Brad White, after like the first time we talked to him after he turned down the LSU job, he spent time just saying, you know, when it comes to edge defenders, I'm really picky, maybe to a fault. So, you know, there's some guys where we might pass up just because I, I they just they don't check enough boxes. This guy must check a lot of boxes for Brad White if they're if they're willing to take a flyer on another kid from Delaware late in the process. He must really like what he's bringing to the table. So, um, I, while I don't expect big things right away, this could be a guy down the road. Where we say, "Wow, what a huge get on National Signing Day." I hope you're right. I, I also, and I'm, I understand the comparisons you're making are strictly almost from a recruitment standpoint and not a player standpoint. Mm-hmm. I just I want people to caution when they are going to hear Josh Allen with this kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're I not mean, saying he's going to come in and work his way to being in the conversation as the number one draft pick someday. Right, right, right. But just from a, he, he gets the, t- and, and it's especially just because they're both from the Northeast. So, um, like, that's uh, <laughs> that's part of the reason why you're going to have that is because there's a lot of similar storylines and they play the same position. Uh, but that's, you know, why we're going to have that comparison, not necessarily from a skill level, a talent, what have you. But he could end up becoming a big contributor. I, I hope so. And there was really not too much to get caught up in on National Signing Day from a Kentucky standpoint. But that was the piece of news. And that you can't really teach his size or his body. And you get him in a college weight program, and Kentucky will kind of work uh, with him. He'll have plenty of time to get where he needs to get from a development standpoint. It's exciting, sure. So if that's the National Signing Day for UK, then that uh, good news in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, a nice ad. There was uh, some funny stuff that happened yesterday, like um, Lincoln Riley saying the transfer portal. We need some guardrails, and he was saying it as the ESPN had a graphic of Caleb Williams coming to USC. Up, it's like, dude, how dumb are you? Uh, Jimbo Fisher got awfully defensive when he's saying, "Oh, they say we're paying for our players for Neil," like. He got very defensive. That's the last bread. He don't know nothing. $30 million. We ain't got no $30 million. It's like, oh, so you've got five. Like, Jimbo, it just we, we we aren't that dumb, all right? We didn't fall off the turnip truck yesterday. It was an all-time rant by him, and I don't think we have the audio, and it's, it it wasn't great necessarily audio to play. In radio, he had, he had some good one-liners, but it was always just kind of surrounded mostly by nonsense or jimmer jabbers and whatnot it i don't know why he just wouldn't come out and say listen we're playing within the rules if you don't like it raise more money yourself or change the rules and said like yes you all are benefiting off nil you goober like you had the number one class in the country (laughs) and i'm sorry texas a&m's results aren't 
the same as the other programs at the top in the recruiting cycle. A&M's a great program. There's a lot to sell, but don't act like this additional bump in this nil era is not, not changing things for you all. It is. And I, I, I'm not mad at A&M. I, I don't, hold ill will towards A&M. I wish Kentucky had the resources and Kentucky has great resources. Kentucky's made huge strides in that department and they're doing really well in the nil all across the board. I, we talked about on this very radio show, is Mitch Barnhart going to be with it? Uh, I had a lot of reservations about it. I was nervous about this new era and if Kentucky was going to hit the ground running. I still don't know if Mitch Barnhart has been orchestrating it all himself. Uh, he still seems hesitant when you hear him actually speak about it. But behind the scenes, Kentucky's keeping up with the Joneses for the most part. But nobody's keeping mm -hmm. up with A&M. Nobody is. No. They're in a league of their own with the nil stuff right now. And instead of being defensive about it and saying that it doesn't, it hasn't made an impact or it hasn't made a difference, don't lie to people. As Roush said, we're <laughs> not idiots. We're not dumb. Just play into it. Say, yeah, what are you, you going to do about it? What, change the rules, which you know everybody's got to sign off on. And if they're if they make sense, then that's the thing is A and M is going to dominate at whatever the rules are. So they they should at least say the right things of hey, you know if you want to if you want to rein it in somehow, you guys figure it out and you let us know. But come on, it made a difference. You all have done an amazing job with it. I would just play the villain. Well, and you don't have to just go right up and say we're paying our players, but like. Saying, yeah, we embrace the rules. Um, we're not going above and beyond, as some might be speculating. But, yeah, it's helped us out. I, I don't know. what, what Coaches are just so full of it. It, it drives me nuts. They, they talk out of both sides of their mouth. It It's silly, but, you know, hey, they, they get paid the big bucks. They're, they're, they're the personalities that kind of drive the ship. And we got a lot of that yesterday. Um, and we also got, right now on the phone, Good friend of the program from the Kentucky Winter Circle. It's EJ Clark. EJ is going to be joining us on the road to the Kentucky Derby. And right now, we've gone through two big weeks of race. A long shot hit. And then last week, Bob Baffert, who is right now currently banned from racing horses in New York and at Churchill Downs. He's racing horses in Derby preps, EJ. And I I'm curious... Do, do we think that it's going to matter? Is he going to end up having uh, – is he going to try to fight to get a horse in the Kentucky Derby? What's going to come of all of this over the next few months? Yeah, really, uh, that's, that's a big part of the discussion going on. Thank you, Nick. Good morning, TJ. Good morning. Hey, it's great to be on the Kentucky Roll Call with you guys and talking Derby and the road to the Derby. And the next few weeks is going to be exciting. So, first of all, to answer your question – yeah, uh, Churchill is taking uh, a hard stand. They they have not they have not moved at all away from their stand that Bob Baffert will will be suspended for two years. The uh, folks at Naira, the New York Racing Association, uh, they have been uh, in uh, a, a legal battle with Bob Baffert and his lawyers, and it doesn't seem like I I don't know what the latest is on that. I was reading some of. It. Last week, but I, I really think that that it's going to be surprising if something changes. And I know there's some owners and there's some other racing connections that are waiting to see how this is going to happen. We'll get to that a little bit later on. But yes, uh, 
it's a big factor and his horses are running his horses are winning his three-year-olds are not receiving points and they won't receive points unless they move to another barn and a new trainer and you know that's uh, you know you have new grange is already you know uh one last week in the southwest at oaklawn park he's already won two preps this year so one in one in california and the sham and in one in Arkansas, not Springs. So, yeah, I mean, those Cornish, no points for the Breeders' Cup juvenile win. You know, he's got a barn full of good three-year-olds, and they're running, they're training, but uh, no points right now. Well, not sure if Nick Roush is there or not. We're talking with EJ. Uh, EJ, when... Roush talking about both these weekends heating up for horse racing. Um, when do we start to see the feel? When do we start knowing the? Uh, this is such a amateur horse racing question. When do we start getting a better idea of when the Derby field, the, the horses, names that you can say definitively, all right, this one you can circle, this one you can circle. Does It, it all starts these next two weeks? No, really, uh, TJ, it's a very good question. Here's why. Because in February, and we're in early February, as the great Mike Battaglia used to say when we were having him on our shows regularly, is you don't get too excited about what's going on. It's almost like you don't get too excited in college basketball in December and early January. It's uh, the end of February is when you've got to be rolling. And, it, it, you know, it's kind of the same thing in horse racing on the road to the Derby. So give you an example we have, and I'm going to use two of the preps coming up this week. We have at a mile and an eighth the Withers at Aqueduct. And horses are, are stretching out, and that's a prep for their last final derby prep at Aqueduct, which is the Wood Memorial. You have the Holy Bull at Gulfstream at a mile and 16th, and that is the most intriguing race to me for the weekend. And then out in California, the Robert B. Lewis is on Sunday at a mile and a 16th at Santa Anita. And I don't have the PPs for that, so we won't talk a whole lot in, in detail. I looked at the nominations. But to get back to what you're saying is you have, in in the Withers, I think you have a, a, a bunch of horses that could be any kind of horse. And what I mean by that, they could, be, they could really turn out to be good runners. But at this point in time, there's only a couple that we can talk about, and we will in just a moment, that, that you would say they're favorites, and, and here's, here's why they belong, and here's what's going to happen. Now, down at Gulfstream, it's a different story because the Holy Bull that used to be run in early January is now sort of in February is almost like the, uh, the next prep down there, which is the um, uh, Fountain of Youth, one of our favorite races, and, and that really kind of, those horses that are, you know, they run well there. They're, they're, they're definitely horses that are probably be a Churchill on the first Saturday in May. So if you're just now jumping on board on the road to the Derby, here's some horses that we're going to be talking about this week in the weeks to come. And it's going to be a situation where when we think they're legitimate, like, like a couple of horses in the Holy Bull that are for trainers, like, Todd Pletcher, like Kenny McPeak, who's got a barn full of good ones. Uh, yeah, these horses are horses that 
that we really think are going to are going to be there at Churchill Downs and are going to be in the twenty horse field in the Kentucky Derby for this year. Well, you that that sounds great. I'm looking forward to it. Admittedly, Roush is more of our horse racing expert. Did we lose him? Did we lo- Go on. Sorry. Nick, are you that? Did we lose Nick? Roush's connection has been acting up all morning so we're not exactly sure where he is the plan was ej we'll be in we'll be in studio most of the thursdays we'll have you on okay Uh, but with the weather impending we didn't want to get caught out oh yeah absolutely so we're all concerned about that so if you know you want to go on sorry do you want to run through uh the the race at aqueduct first and then then we'll talk about the holy bull last how yes, you absolutely. You, you, you tell us what we need to know about the the races, and, and the you've you already touched on the stakes at play, but absolutely run through the races. Yeah, and and let's take a look at that, and then we'll go kind of go back to the leaderboard a little bit and talk about that. Now, when I said these horses could be any kind of race, there's a field of ten at Aqueduct. It's a mile and an eighth. The withers. It's a Grade Three, two hundred fifty thousand dollars race number eight on their card up there horses that i'm looking at uh, the the favorite for me in here is a horse that one is maiden two races back and then came back and won the jerome the jerome is not a graded stakes race it's a listed stakes race it's also on the leaderboard as a prep race for the kentucky derby and this is a horse that was purchased at keeneland back and a very uh, young age uh, for a whole lot of money. And uh, we're talking about Cravoisier. And uh, this horse won the Jerome last time, won it pretty much with tactical speed and the way you'd like to see a horse come along uh, on a sloppy track. So he's already had a mile and an eighth race at Aqueduct, which uh, he won by neck in a maiden event. So he comes back going the same distance. So he's a horse you really want to take a look at. And uh, part of the uh, breeding ownership is Hillendale uh, Equine Holdings. And again, look at what they paid in the November 2019 sale, $600,000 for this horse. Very high on this horse early. There are the top four finishers coming out of the Jerome and also the sixth place horse coming uh, back in the Withers for this coming Saturday. Constitutional Lawyer is uh, a horse that has, uh, uh, I think, a chance in here. Uh, Broke his maiden last time in the slop at Aqueduct and went wire to wire. So, uh, Coming back on the fast track, he was third in a maiden before that. Let's see what uh, this horse does, uh, a horse by constitution. And the grandsire is, of course, Tappet. you got to look at those. And Lawyer Ron is the sire of uh, the dam on the bottom side there. So, again, from post number one, constitutional lawyer. Then smarten up uh, a horse that uh, comes off a second place finish in the Jerome comes back in here and was beaten a length and a half. Um, again, a horse that, uh, broke his maiden the race before at parks Had a couple, uh, first three races actually were over at parks. So 
could be any kind of horse. Uh, a good field for starters, and like I say, um, maybe a horse you want to take a look at is a lightly raised horse. Number eight is early voting. Chad Brown, one win. A maiden, one start, and they throw him into a grade three. Don't see that a lot, but uh, they must think a lot. So that's what that's what the Withers looks like to me at this point. Okay, and there's one more that you wanted to you wanted to re or preview for us. Uh, we're coming yeah. up on a break, so EJ, if we can be quick on that one, preview it for us. The two that you were most excited about. We got the Withers. One yeah. more, and then we can head out of here. All right. Okay. And uh, as we said. The PPs are, I don't have the PPs for the uh, Robert B. Lewis. Okay, let's, uh, let's go to it uh, quickly. At Gulfstream Park, the Holy Bull and a mile and a 16th. And uh, you have Miss Mo Donegal, who is uh, owned by Donegal Racing. And this horse has had three races, making his debut as a three-year-old coming up this Saturday at Gulfstream Park. And going to be the favorite in here. He won the rims in at a mile and an eighth. Drops back in distance to a mile and a sixteenth. He is two for three, uh, trained by Todd Pletcher. These folks, uh, Jerry uh, Crawford and Donegal Racing, have been uh, putting some good three-year-olds on the Derby Trail for years. They haven't won the Roses yet. This is an old Uncle Mo and uh, a 90 speed fig i like that and uh he came from a little far back won by a nose in the rims and remember a young horse going a mile and an eighth and that was back in early december the uh another horse to take a look at with uh, hall of famer javier castellano is simplification uh, this is uh, a horse by the sire not this time a horse that was very good uh, a few years ago ran second in the breeders cup juvenile got hurt trained by uh, our friend Dale Romans, and this horse went wire to wire to win the Mucho Macho Man Enlisted Stakes. Uh, that is a preview and uh, a race that a lot of folks use prior to uh, either the Holy Bull or the Fountain of Youth. Tis the bomb for our friend Kenny McPeak. This is a horse that was grade one placed in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. Uh, he has made his last three starts on the turf, and they've been stakes races, and now they switch him back. He said all along uh, in the fall of last year that he was going to bring this horse back to uh, the, the dirt, and uh, that's exactly what's going on. Kenny has a barn full. He's got five legitimate horses on the Kentucky Derby Trail. Long shot in here is White Aberio, and this horse Comes out of the Kentucky Jockey Club. He was third. Hafe, uh, 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 his uh, trainer, I should say, is uh, always got a hot bar in the last few years down there at Gulfstream Park. And uh, so there, you know, there's a long shot for you. A giant game for Dale Romans coming out. Hasn't started since a, a Re Breeders' Cup Juvenile where he was third. And he's been uh, working very, very well. Luis Saez up in, up in the saddle for All Ball Family Stables and West Point Thoroughbreds, another horse to watch in there. And uh, we'll see how he makes uh, his first start as a three-year-old this year. So Holy Bull, very interesting race. And that's uh, 
that is the most intriguing, as I said, to me on these three races. And then on Sunday, it is a Robert B. Lewis. Baffert will probably have a horse in there for sure. Well, next Thursday, we'll get to recap these races and then preview what's next on the road to the Kentucky Derby. EJ, we really appreciate your time. We promise this will be a smoother operation next week. Thank you, and we'll talk to you next Thursday. Not a problem. Okay. Everybody have a safe weekend. Thank you, TJ and Nick. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Thank you, EJ. We apologize for the breakups on technology on our part. All right, we will be back. This is Kentucky Roll Call on Big Exports Radio. TJ Walker. (laughs) Nick Roll Roush call. and Justin Kalen. Welcome back to Kentucky Roll Call. We got no food. We got no jobs. Our pets' heads are falling off. <laughs> Welcome back. Kentucky Roll Call here on Big X Sports Radio, 96.1 FM, 1450 AM. TJ Walker, Nick Roush, and Justin Kalen. Poor EJ Clark, horse racing guru. Nobody in the state knows more about horse racing than him. Wants to do a short segment on Thursdays, just previewing up to the Kentucky Derby. We've got somebody in the show that absolutely loves horse racing. It just seemed like a good idea, makes sense for both parties. I'm not that person. I, yeah. I don't dislike horse racing, but I just don't. Uh, it's just, it's not, it's like tennis with me. I enjoy watching tennis. I enjoy playing tennis. I enjoy watching horse racing. I can't play horse racing, but I can go to the track and act like I know what I'm talking about. EJ's actually somebody that does. We do, luckily, on this radio show, have somebody that knows a thing or two about horse racing. Not ideal when that person drops out of the interview with our horse racing guru, and that's nope, exactly what just unfolded this last so, segment on Kentucky Roll Call. My, my apologies to the listeners. Um, I'm going to I, – I, I just – I don't know. I'm, I'm losing my mind here. I've spent the last 24 hours just trying to find my inner peace as I deal with my internet. I don't know. The deal is but it kicked me off right as we're getting into it there's a horse named Cavassier. like of course i'm going to say pass the Cavassier. let's get this show on the road but we can't we can't talk about it because of my stupid internet so apologies to the listeners we'll get this train back on the tracks hopefully the internet doesn't kick me off it picked a great time to do it twice i was even like fighting to get back on and it wasn't letting me so i don't know what to do it's setting precedent for a rough day but we're going to keep pushing through uh because the coaching carousel, big coaching carousel news, TJ, and I think it might be bad news for the Cats. When I say might be bad news, Jim Harbaugh, a lot was kind of like, ooh, if he goes to the Vikings, maybe Kentucky gets Michigan's offensive line coach. Now that he's not going to the Vikings, it was very odd. You had people reporting that was going to happen. Um, he was going to nail the interview. Apparently, he didn't get a, a job offer at the conclusion of it. They ended up offering it to the Rams offensive coordinator, uh, Kevin O'Connell, who was drafted eight years into Brady's career to be Brady's backup, and now he's a head coach in the NFL. Crazy stuff. But naturally, as soon as they reveal that it's just a formality, we're just waiting for the Super Bowl, and he'll be the head coach, people are like, well, who's going to be the next Rams offensive coordinator? Maybe it's Liam Cohen. So, uh, TJ, while I, I'm not ultimately going to dismiss it right away because 
it does like being the Rams office coordinator, pretty easy to get a head coaching job. Um, I don't know if LaFleur was the OC, but Zach Taylor, LaFleur, uh, they were a part of the McVay tree. People love hiring Sean McVay disciples. So I think it would make a lot of sense to jump at that opportunity. But first off, McVay's got to want, you know, McVay's got to want. Secondly, I do think there is a strong appeal for Cohen to return because you have your guy, Will Levis, coming back for a second year. You know you can have success with him. You think you can take it to the next level with him. Uh, also, when he moved to Lexington, he started family. He got married and had a kid. Like, I'm not saying he's taken up roots and he's going to be here forever. But that would be a pretty quick turnaround, pretty sentimental spot. I, I don't know. There's just I think there's other things pulling him back to Lexington. And uh, ultimately, one downside of that job is, yes, it's attractive to be a next head coach, but you're not going to be a play caller when you're on Sean McVay's staff. So I, I, I don't think it's a, a done deal. And I think there's also other candidates that McVay's going to pursue. The quarterback's coach uh, that worked with McVay prior to uh, Cohen's arrival He's looking for a job right now. And the offensive coordinator of the Rams might be calling his name. So there, there's a lot at stake here. I know some fans are worried, but I ultimately do think Cohen had kind of a two-year plan. Uh, let's hope that that plan is still intact. Well, it does just seem if, if the Rams offer him that job, he's going to take it. And I think everybody just I, – you brought up plenty of good points and reasons why folks maybe shouldn't get super worried, but – I think you you the right answer was almost in your first or second sentence when you said just uh, Rams offensive coordinators become head coaches they in yeah. the NFL and if Cohen why wouldn't you want to be a head coach in the NFL well, a lot of people prefer coaching in the NFL as opposed to being college coaches there's a lot more benefits and less work all things considered so if they offer him the offensive coordinator job, whether or not he calls the plays or doesn't call the plays, and he wouldn't be calling the plays, you're right about that, he's going to take that job if it's offered to him. So if you're a UK fan, uh, selfishly, you hope that he doesn't get this opportunity, he doesn't get that job, because if he does, I would be shocked if he turned – I mean, totally and completely shocked if he turned down the Rams' offensive coordinator job. If they said, hey, you're our number one guy, we want you to do it, are you in or are you out? I almost certainly think he'd say that I'm in, and it'd be bad news for UK. Now, if that does happen, one, we can talk about it when it does. No no sense in really getting into who would be the replacement. Who the, but it would be a really appealing offense to, to yeah, a new offensive coordinator. Yeah. Yeah. He'd be in a really good spot to bring somebody in. You'd you'd see they'd see Will Levis and they'd get excited about it. They'd see the playmakers on offense. They'd see Chris Rodriguez returning, and you'd you'd want to be a part of that. So Kentucky'd be in a good spot. It is maybe a little bit later in the coaching carousel, but again, but just like Cohen couldn't say no to that opportunity to being the offensive coordinator for the Rams a team that may or may not, you know, the NFC Championship Rams, you get to slide in and be the offensive coordinator there. That's That'd be too tough to pass up on. There would be candidates out there, Roush, that could not say no to the UK job. We don't know exactly who they are. We can worry about that if this comes to fruition. But as it stands right now, if the Rams want Cohen, I think we all need to assume that he will leave. And that will stink, but there, there will be options if that happens. Yeah, and the, the timing part of it is the part that really stinks because um... – 
like they're trying Cohen's trying to get an offensive line coach right now. And the Rams, they aren't going to be looking for an offensive coordinator. I'm sure McVay has got dudes lined up, but nothing there will become official for at least two more weeks, you know? So like that puts even further behind the eight ball. I I, I think Stoops would have to you you would want to try to get somebody with a similar style too. That's hard to do. So it would just it would be tough. So um the person who initially put it out there is the co-host of the other 11 personnel podcast. They can take out their suck it and suck it. Jordan Rodriguez. Yeah, keep Liam's name at your mouth, Jordan. I mean, it's it's pretty natural candidate there. Maybe we'll have Sean Hammond on the show. He's he's my other connection on the other 11 personnel, the wildly successful 11 personnel. Oh, or, what is it, Rich Hammond? Rich Hammond, sorry. Rich Hammond, not Sean. Apologies. Let's Tom get to this. Hammond. Let's get to this. <laughs> Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. A texter said, Trevor's mom left food and water out, and it's been untouched for the cat. So uh, let's get this cat update out of the way. It was, uh, the next texter says, the sigil for House Kelsey, and it's a picture of a dog with a cat in its mouth. Looks like they're having fun. But uh, the cat update is, the cat did get out, and was out and missing and not returned for several days. The family had just assumed that uh, a local pack of coyotes in the neighborhood had gotten to it. And supposedly, per multiple sources, the cat did return yesterday. Wow. Big stuff. Big stuff. Cat returned alive and well, although supposedly hadn't eaten uh, the way it ate. It would indicate that it hadn't eaten for a few days. So probably just out on the prowl making all the other cats in the neighborhood pregnant. Good for that cat to know exactly where to go back to after being there for such a short time. Yeah. Good point, Scoots. Good point. Glad to hear the cat is alive and well. I was very worried about Nora. Uh, Another texter said, sharp today, yes or no? Well, no. (laughs) If Harbaugh takes the Viking job, we don't have to worry about that. It sounds like the Rams OC stays put. He could become OC in Carolina, but the Rams would be able to block it since it's a lateral move. I know he'd get the to call the plays there though a bit worried about losing cohen and that's that text into the thornton sex line comes at a solid time after we just got done talking about that so we we gave our thoughts on it i think if the rams lock in on cohen and they offer him the job that he is gone and i wouldn't blame him in a heartbeat if that were i wouldn't blame him for a second if he'd made that jump in a heartbeat i should say i but but let's not worry about that until we know cohen's gonna leave well, and they mentioned like the Carolina OC. You don't worry about some NFL jobs because you're like, well, he could probably get a better one in a little bit. But Rams OC, that's basically future NFL head coach. That's what you might as well call that spot. On defending, al- potential defending Super Bowl champs too. I'd always thought that – I agree with you on the two-year plans aspect. And you got to think of – Hey Cohen, if you're kind of – if people are interested in you this year, what would a – what if you take this offense to a whole new level? then you're going to have your – the options are going to be hard to fathom if you if you can do what you did in year one and then somehow even make it better in a year two. So I do agree with you that I think he's very happy and comfortable if he gets another year at UK or if he, if he doesn't leave and the offense should take a big step forward. It's just I think that Rams job, you'd be, you'd be crazy to pass it up. Seriously. <laughs> Whew. Um, back to the Thornton's text line. Let's be real. Trevor, Trevor probably put the cat in the trunk of his car and forgot about it. Just like the mystery box prize I won years ago. You never got the mystery box? Oh, my goodness, Trevor. 
That's so disappointing. That was such a good mystery box. There were so many mysterious items in it. It would have made your day. I forget now, what was all mystery. I forget what was in the mystery box. Um, there was definitely some old uh, UK football press passes. I know I put one or two in there. Uh, maybe we. I think we had a signed picture of us all, like a glossy five by nine. Or whatever. Trevor never delivered we... the mystery box. Jeez, gosh. Uh, Texter says, oh, this is for KRC. Passport person here. If you weren't all good, the passport beef continues. If you weren't a complete <laughs> dingus, you'd see I clearly stated I said I made an appointment specifically at 945. Got there 10 minutes early and everything. Never received a call or email saying they didn't have the resources. Unclog your ears next time, Forrest Gump, or improve your listening comprehension. Whoa! Wow. <laughs> the post office passport rivalry just took it to a new level. Now, Second post office, Winnie Town. We'll need the other person to respond back to you, but I think what they had said was you needed to make a reservation or an appointment specifically for photos, and maybe you. I think they were insinuating you made the wrong reservation. Now, again, I'm not. I'm not putting. I'm not saying one way or another or picking a side here. I'm just. I'm letting you know what maybe that other texter would say, and just allowing you to maybe comment on that. A texter says, "Would Wheeler come back?" maybe probably i would think so yeah doesn't seem like doesn't seem like he'd have nba options uh over yeah he already's making nil here and then you can continue to improve your shot a little bit and if you next year obviously a super important player on kentucky so i i would think that there's a possibility for that absolutely oh great question in the thornton's text line Gotta know, could you all tell if Scoots had deodorant on or not at the Louisville game? Great question. Um, TJ, care to comment? Well, he Justin usually masks himself in body spray. Yeah, so that that's all the body spray. Yeah, that's that's his deodorant deterrent. It's he's not walking around unprotected. I I think I actually did put it on deodorant Saturday, oddly enough. Wow. You all, and you all made me self-conscious about it now. Even though I know I don't smell, I always have that extra thing in the back of my mind. Like, well. Because you don't want to be the smelly guy, you know? Never have been. <laughs> oh, Texter says, you had to know that after Keenan's big night, his first shot last night would be a brick from two inches inside the three-point line. Hey, he missed missed a lot of shots. Uh, That first half was pretty forgettable for him. Uh, But uh, when they, when the game was over and obviously I realized he made some nice plays in the second half, but when he finished with 20 points, I had to do like a double take and be like, are we sure Uh, that was a, that, that he, he racked that up in a hurry, but boy, he couldn't hit anything there to start the game. At at one point he had 12 points on 11 shots. So that that, that was not (laughs) ideal, but I think he hit his last four to get 220 points. So, hey, water found its level. And again, while obviously Saturday at Kansas would just be a huge confidence booster for him, he should take almost as much confidence from last night's game that like, hey, if I'm missing early on, I got to just keep going. I got to keep going. I got to keep going because without his contributions there in the second half, it's a different game. And was Kentucky really an ever in doubt of losing that game vandy made its run they made things interesting but it always seemed like kentucky was in control Uh, but if not for brooks and if not for mince it's it's a different story so 
Got to keep shooting, even if the first few, even if the first 11 aren't really falling. Keep at it, keep at it. He did, and uh, and it paid off. So he should get as much confidence from last night as he did from the game on Saturday. Texter says, Pippen Jr. looks at the ref every time he has the tiniest bit of contact. Kid will be in the NBA, but he's kind of a female dog. <laughs> <laughs> Always. insult. It, it it is, uh, yeah. He just kind of knows how he just kind of knows how to move his body to get the refs' attention. He got he got fouled on a three roush. We all saw that coming. Mm-hmm. And it was right. And then Kentucky came. Yeah, yeah, no, Kentucky got came one on a three. I think the following possession. Yeah, he did. So uh, it was nice. They got the three free throws. Kentucky only got the one because Mintz made a good old fashioned four point play. I don't think I've ever had one in my basketball career, but it would have been cool. Would have been real cool. Would have been real, real cool. Uh, Kirby, he he says he was at the game, and Cal is giving the refs the business. Feels like a game he's trying to get thrown out of after some early flops. Um, man, the uh, the ponytail guy, that guy, he was all up in all up in Oscar's yeah. business. What a jerk! Get that Tony mm. ponytail out of here. Yeah, get it out of here. They just threw big bodies at him. Super physical. I, I don't know if you'd say it worked so much. Still got 17 rebounds, but yeah, could have been more as we talked about an hour one. A texter says, uh, absolutely gets mugged on every possession. More, nobody gets mugged on every possession more than Oscar. Absolute insanity what they call on him. I love that Kirby's at the game texting us throughout it. That's that's very nice. Very nice. Uh, this is an amusing text, too. The two Nick Roushes playing big men for them are brutal, just in the same in the game to foul people. <laughs> they really were. It was just go in there and be physical and be, you know, be rough. Uh, text, uh, Kirby goes on. The last one, last one, I think, but they have to do something about these flops. They won't. Man, we, say they, it, we say it every year about stuff like this, and then we just move on from it, and nothing the, ever gets done. The one thing that was really bad was the uh, – the dude that was boxing out the guy's knees, like how, that was as bad of a dangerous as a play as they get, you know? Oh, yeah. That's the kind of stuff where it's like, give me a freaking break. There was also one in particular, too, where Ty Ty kind of was up in Pippen's face and he just shoved him off and Ty Ty got called for the foul. It's like, are you, really? Mm. What are we doing here? Yeah, that one was that one was bad. I mean, it just like I, I think refs just have such a tough time with the concept of like, maybe I just don't blow a whistle here. Maybe maybe it's a no call. Maybe there was a little contact there, and there's little contact here, but ultimately nobody gained an advantage from it. Let them play. Yeah. Odd concept. Odd yeah. concept. How am I supposed to live, laugh, and love, and get a Shadon Sharp in these conditions? <laughs> I'm sure that was sent in when the game was kind of close yesterday. Yeah, 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 no Shadon yesterday. Maybe we see him, maybe we don't. But I know one radio show that doesn't care. I know one that really does care, though. <laughs> a texter says, this is by far the worst game to watch all season. Horrible officiating with apparent mandate to call any contact whatsoever a foul, and the announcers seemingly watching secession for most of the game until they hear a whistle and just saying random words. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, they did go uh, to the monitor a lot. So many times. And there were the cash. The crowd wasn't great as we per, as we predicted, but like, how could the crowd even get into a game like last night? Even the folks that were there, and even the folks that, and there, you know, 
always on the opposing team free throws is when I think Rupp gets his rowdiest. Anytime you put Chick-fil-A on the line, which I don't know if they got yesterday for what it was worth, a lot of misses from Vanderbilt on free throws, but I don't know if they had any empty trips in the second half, and that's what will win the Chick-fil-A. But those poor fans, some of them probably scared about if the weather was going to turn while they were out there. I don't think it did, so hopefully everybody stayed safe. But So probably not a packed house. It wasn't a packed house. And then how are you going to get involved? How are you going to get pumped up for a game where every two seconds there was a whistle? There was that like four-minute stretch in the second half, beginning of the second half. Or maybe it was in the first half. I don't really – it all runs together. But they, it was like a four-minute stretch where there was no whistles, no fouls. Both teams were exhausted because they were just running up and down the floor. And while it wasn't the prettiest basketball, it was just so entertaining seeing a game have a little bit of flow to it no and a little bit of rhythm to it. And yeah. then, sure enough, that was sandwiched in between – whistle 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 and so that was the outlier to the game but that one little stretch was appealing besides that just horrible not entertaining not good uh also vandy hasn't set a legal screen all night yeah they would lean into every one of their screens and they set a ton of them their whole offense was just screen let's see if we can get a mismatch and then roll to the basket or let pippen pull up anytime pippen didn't touch the ball on offense for vanderbilt some of the most comical offensive possessions of all time yeah. They were completely helpless unless they could get the unless they could get the ball to Pippen. You know what wasn't comical though? Jerry Stackhouse, that dude knows how to wear a suit. That was a good look. Uh he was big mad and uh, him and Cal, they didn't even do the handshake. They just did the wave. Like I, I'm not sure if it was just from that game if there's any more bad blood between the two, but uh definitely a, a heated battle for a Wednesday you know, night against Vandy. Do you know why they didn't do the handshake, Roush? I, I, I don't. That's why. So I'm... apparently, Cal was saying in his post game interview that Kansas had a COVID positive player when they played on Saturday. Oh, yeah. Abashi. So they decided yeah. to not do the handshake line. Cal continued. He said he's not doing it for 14 days. He continues to demonstrate he has no grasps of this pandemic whatsoever. Only person, well, with few exceptions, that still thinks that 14 days to slow the spread is a realistic thing. I don't, I, if they don't want to shake hands, I don't care. And Cal can have whatever reasoning or rationale he wants, but they're, they're, they don't like one another, Cal and, and Stackhouse. I don't know why. I don't know if this goes back to days when Stackhouse was in the G League. I don't know what it starts from. I don't think Stackhouse really likes Kentucky all that much, all things considered. Um, and I don't think he likes Calipari either. I like Stackhouse. I actually am surprised he hasn't had more success at Vanderbilt. I think he's a really underrated X and O's coach in college basketball. Maybe it's just the lack of players or I, you know, I don't know why it hasn't all clicked for him down there. But there is bad blood. I'm not saying that's why they didn't do the handshake. I saw Cal's rationale as well yesterday, Justin. Rolled my eyes at it. But there's there's more there than that. Those two don't like each other. I don't really know why. Back to the Thornton Stacks on. 5024141450. left in the second half, and it's the first time I thought about Shadon Sharp. Not really sure if I care either. Good. Good for you. You're in a good spot. A texter says these refs are embarrassingly bad. They they were. Another texter says at this point it's clear. It's clearly bigger than basketball. These refs don't have anywhere warm to stay tonight with the weather coming in, and they're trying to extend the game for their own survival. Survival, how brave. That would yeah. explain it. Brave, very brave. Uh, you know, they just they got to do whatever it takes just to stay warm. So uh, kudos to them. Texter, 
says, what a stupid game. 42 fouls called in a 40-minute game. Just laughable. Hey, Roush, any scoop on Stackhouse being the new DC for Vandy football? Someone should remind them they bullied that too. Hashtag suck it, nerds. They wow. sent 30 high school kids in their recruiting class. 30. Crazy. What's wrong, what's wrong with that? Normally, you go to the portal to like because you get exemptions you, you get a few scholarship exemptions so um but no 30 high school players hey that's what you get for a rebuild i guess no oh, vanderbilt's just a state of rebuild <laughs> oh this is a great text in the show as reported by jared j bone stillman aaron Rodgers to the titans so he bought a house in nashville? in nashville yeah great it's like great. Billy Donovan's uh, bar- horse farm I'm not I'm not worried about it, but again, Green Bay's in a great spot here. Either they will get a ton of picks and good players for Aaron Rodgers, or they'll keep Aaron Rodgers. So however it all unfolds, I'll be happy. Derrick Henry? You gonna No, don't him? need don't need Derrick Henry. We've got the we got the young Derrick Henry and AJ Dillon. You got the Hamhawks. Ah, AJ Dillon. Big fan. Big fan. Uh, if Cal didn't want to put Sharp in at Kansas to get a taste of what it's like to play in a big game atmosphere, and if Cal didn't think that Sharp could help us in a game where we struggled some against Vandy, maybe he's just not as good as we thought right now. He might be really good in the future, but I guess he's not good enough to make a significant impact on this team. That is another aspect to all this. Again, I don't care, but that it could just be that he really can't help in ways that other folks can't. Yeah, he was losing games at the JC. I mean, you can't win there, can't win it rough. Oh, the takes for that are going to be interesting. I'm, Cal will get asked about it, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure he will. Um, a person asked, why don't Cal and Stackhouse like each other? Yeah, I don't know why, but they don't. They yeah, don't. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty, pretty evident. Yeah. TC from Lexington here, boys. Got to, Maybe it's just as simple as Cal doesn't like the style that Stackhouse plays against his team and thinks he's trying to hurt or rough up some of his guys. Um, could be that. I mean, that's why he didn't like Mike Anderson in Arkansas. Oh, yeah. I mean, for you know? sure. And uh, Mike Anderson, also a guy who didn't like Calipari and did not like Kentucky either. Um, I don't think Stackhouse – I think Stackhouse is in the same boat there. TC from Lexington here, boys. Got to go to the – I got to go to the game last night – where I had good enough seats, I could hear what all the players and Cal was saying. It was such a cooler perspective. I can say Cal was screaming, shoot, every time Mintz and Grady got the ball. Also interesting to see Sharp out at the student center playing pickup after the game. Well, if you're Cal, you'd want Mintz and Grady to shoot anytime they get the ball. I want Grady to shoot significantly more, uh, but that's good you got to see that. I know a lot of folks that get to sit close to the bench are always kind of taken aback by the – just getting to hear the conversations and stuff you don't get a lot of just if you're watching on TV or you're not lucky enough to have seats close to the, to the bench, but a lot of funny conversations and interactions between the players and the coaches. Uh, hope you had a good time TC from Lexington. Mm-hmm. Uh, another texture says it's easier to just not worry about the sharp seven unless UK is up 20 steam is fun and can make a run whether he plays or not. And I think that's, that's the, the overall sentiment that we share. They're pretty damn good. Pretty damn yeah. good basketball team. And uh, hopefully we get to watch them against Alabama Saturday. I wonder how many folks are going to be preaching the gospel of NATO. It's going to the game. Haven't oh, you think that's going to happen? You think that's, you think that's going to happen? Need to shoot more threes. Yeah. yeah. I haven't heard that a lot this year. It's weird. Weird how that happens when a team starts losing a bunch of games. I wish Wheeler, Grady, and Mintz, former coaches, would accuse them of not being hard workers because, holy crap, that must have motivated the hell out of Oscar. 
Tom Crean, he wouldn't say that though. He would just squeeze him by his injured neck. <laughs> you know what? That Wheeler, he's got the weakest neck I've ever put my hands around. <laughs> Actual quote from Tom Crean. Um, yeah, that's a wild take from. I mean, most likely, what's Huggins going to say if Oscar wins National Player of the Year? Like, like the. <laughs> So so called national player of the year. Oh yeah, I don't know. yeah, yeah. They, they, I guess they don't give that award to hard workers anymore, do they? <laughs> uh, Texture says, "Wow, horse racing talk." Shake my head. Are you Tom Leach now? Man, I wish. Also, uh, just the cats can suck it. Whoa! I wish Tom Leach would call a game like this. And it's like, dude, we call him Screaming Leach because he gives screaming calls. Are you not? Are you just not paying attention down in Florida anymore, buddy? Like, just go be retired. I don't. You don't need to be angry, Michael. I don't know where this is coming from. What do you say? Uh, he like tweeted out a Tampa Bay Lightning call and was like, "Why well, can't Tom Leach call a game like this?" And it was just a call that ends him screaming about the game-winning shot in overtime. It's like that is exactly what Tom. Wait, wait, what are you talking about? He's all trying to start fights with other people online. Like I just, I don't, I don't understand Michael. Why? I don't know why he's not content. Like just don't be mad online, hmm. buddy. Too old for that bleep. John here. Good victory morning, buddy. Still undefeated at Rupp Arena, but winter will continue a little bit longer. But we have sunshine because we keep winning. Hey, I understand coach being cautious, but come on, man. You already played a 40-minute game with those players, and you don't know what those players were exposed to in days leading up to the game. It's just common sense. But, hey, nothing but respect. I'm just saying that's all. Well, got to go talk to you later. Yeah, and again, it's a good reminder. Everybody can have their own opinions, can live their own life, do their own things. Um, it, it is what it is. Oh, these are some funny texts. After Roush dropped off that interview, what's your favorite colored horse? Seriously. That, I mean, that's really like my level of horse racing knowledge at this point. And TJ doing an interview without Roush. I like horses. That's I'm spot on. That's what I felt like. Uh, just kind of had to have him do a big picture. Like, so when do we need to start war? Like, when does this start mattering? And this weekend is when it starts mattering, Roush. Yeah, it's basically the lead up to the big final preps. Um, so yeah, uh, the Holy Bull that won a golf stream, that's a that's a good race. Uh and I think the one that won the Withers last year. No, excuse me. Uh, Medina Spirit won the yeah. race at Santa Anita and ended up winning the Derby. So, you know, that can happen. Um but yeah, something to pay attention to. Saw Trevor at the local Humane Society searching for a similar looking cat, Jinxy cat situation. <laughs> That's a good point. I could totally see Trevor doing that. Uh, this uh, old Wara had a little white on its tip. Oh, so close though. <laughs> uh, my man, if you smell like body spray, you smell. No one smells body spray and, and thinks, oh, lovely. They think of a middle school stinky boy. You lifted the mattress off the floor, but the progress can't stop there. First of all, I wear cologne, not body spray. They make me sound like a little middle school kid, um, but I don't have to wear de or cologne or deodorant. I won't smell. That's it, period. I don't know. I don't know if I've ever – I feel like you, you, you go heavy on the cologne at times. Oh, I love cologne. Do you think, you, you think you're doing that to mask the smell oh, no, of I body just, odor? I, I just do it because I like to smell nice. That's it. Hmm. Like so you do, but the te but the texture is right though. By smelling nice though, you do smell. That's Ooh. true. I, 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 yeah, 
I guess to put it that way, yeah. I, I agree with the texture. I, I don't know if the texture is saying that. I just don't want to smell. I don't want people saying, oh, you smell good. I don't want people saying you smell bad. I just don't want to smell. I don't want people sniffing me. Fair enough. Hey, have you guys ever considered doing a post-game show for the Cats? Uh, we've talked about it, but, you know, who knows? It takes away our thunder from the radio show, too. The texture says uh, somebody sent in the I like turtles, I like uh, horses after Roush dropped off. I mean, it really is true. Uh, if you didn't see South Park last night, that was pretty funny. That was good. Uh, oh, it's back. Nice. Yeah, it's back. They, they had a pretty funny episode last night. Uh, but we will be back tomorrow. Friday edition with Bobby Regan on. I'll know a little bit more to ask him than I did about EJ. Apologies to EJ. I just am not a big – just don't know horses. But Roush does. He'll be back Thursday. We'll get all this figured out. Everybody be safe. Have a good day. This is KRC on Big Exports Radio. DJ Walker. Justin.